Why, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Peer Pressure Podcast. I am Diane, sometimes known as Diane Kamikaze, and I am your host. The reason why I do this podcast is because I like to say I am a champion of heavy music. I've always found my favorite songs since I was a young kid had riffs, hooks, were either metal, hardcore, hard rock, or punk, or something fairly aggressive in attitude and sound. And I am all about appreciating the people that keep that world going, whether they're musicians, webmasters, other podcasters, record label and festival owners. It's important to me to recognize what these people do in that realm of music. So I am here to bring them to you in a different context, more than a Wikipedia entry or a press release, a little more personal and a lot more fun. I'm a rocker for life, and I hope these episodes do make a difference. Send me feedback at diane at wfmu.org. And my Facebook page is Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life. Like my page there, and I will keep everybody updated on podcast episodes in that space. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned. My guest today is Mickey Bradley of The Undertones. So they're in the middle of a, uh, a quick U.S. tour, and if you hear this episode the day it comes out, and you live in California, you might be able to go see them. Undertones, one of my favorite bands of all time. And we spoke in New York at the Gramercy Theater right before their show uh, in May 2019. We talk about John Peel, we talk about milkshakes, and of course we talk about the undertones. Without further ado, Mickey Bradley, bassist of the undertones and great backing vocals. Stay tuned. Mickey Bradley. Diane, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, I'm waiting, waiting to go on stage in the Gramercy Theater in 23rd Street. And the undertones are back. Do I, I don't <laughs> say back, right? Because you Well, we're back in New York. It's been the yeah. first time, in, well, first time since last night when we played a show in Bleecker Street. Yes. But uh, before that, I think it was 14 years since we played in New York. It's amazing. Which I, I never thought of it. It's not like I was sitting at home or the band was sitting at home thinking, you know, it's been a long while since we played in New York, you know? So whenever we actually got here then, it just occurred to me that it's been a long time. Yes, yes it has. Yeah, three presidents ago, two presidents ago. Yeah. <laughs> w, I think yeah. W was in, yeah. Okay, yeah. So welcome back. Oh, welcome back to New much. York. Welcome thank back to the much. United States. We are so happy. You've got a bunch of really great shows yeah. scheduled. We're, yeah, we're in Boston tomorrow night, which is Friday night. Friday night in Boston. Irish band playing in Boston. Ooh, worried about, I would worry about that. Yeah. And then Sunday and Monday we're in Las Vegas at the grandly titled Punk Rock Bowling Festival. Yes. Do you? Are you going to bowl? No, we did. We played it before, uh, about seven years ago, and we didn't bowl then. So I can't see us bowling now. No. You could though. Uh, yeah, but you know, I would need the I would need the rubber bumpers along the sides, you know, uh-huh, to keep the, it on. The guides. The guides. Yeah. The so guides. I'm not going to be doing that. Do you like Vegas? 
I like the old part of the Glitter Gulch, is that what you call the old part of it? I like that. Yeah. We were there before. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do though, because I'm, you know, I'm not going to like play the machines. So we have a day when we're not doing anything. So I might just spend it in quiet contemplation. That's always a good thing. Yeah. And I'm then right. you play you play San Diego and LA, is that right? California. Yeah. To me it's just California. Yeah, San Diego. Yeah. A place called the Casbah, I think, in the in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And then Echoplex is a word which springs to mind. I think that's in Los that's Angeles. That's in LA. Yeah, is yeah, it? yeah, I know the place. Yeah, so I don't yeah. know what that's like. Yeah. And then we're playing somewhere in uh, Cal- uh, San Francisco. Oh, great. great. Yeah. Oh, Wonderful. So, I don't even know how to ask this because you... No, we never see Fergal anymore. I wasn't <laughs> even going to ask you about him. Um, so, I don't know if this is a downer or not, but, right. but was Teenage Kicks played at John Field's funeral? It was. It was. Uh, it was the last song played at his funeral, which is a bizarre statement to make. I was just but ask. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. He- it headlined at John Field's funeral. <laughs> no, the um, as the f- as as John Scott was being brought down, they played Teenage Kicks. You know, which is quite quite moving and, and so on. It was a great playlist they had. There was I'm nearly sure Howling Wolf was on it wow. as well. You know, so um, yeah, it was and. The first line of it is inscribed on his tombstone. Oh, there was a, teen- a, a teenage dreams so hard to beat. He always said that he wanted it, and obviously the family carried out that wish. You know, took it yeah. seriously, yeah. which is quite moving as well. You know, from our point of view. Yeah, I mean, what is that? He's, as far as I'm concerned, and in terms of like the underground mm-hmm. music world, he's the most important important person radio has ever had. Yeah, I, I think you're right, you know, maybe Alan Freed as well, but uh, certainly in terms of England, and people forget the number of bands that got first radio play through John Peel. And, you know, it's not even the usual ones, like, you know, all the punk bands or or uh, Mark Bolan, you know, like there was unusual ones as well. There was, I think he was the first one to play in England anyway. He constantly played Laurel and Hardy singing the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia on his radio show and eventually it got uh, it got wider airplay and it became a hit in the 1970s you know there was that and there was all the ones as well he played a lot of folk he played a lot of reggae obviously he, the one I remember is he, he used to always play Althea and Donna Uptown Top Ranking in 1977-78 I remember hearing that on his show all the time and then suddenly it started to become a daytime radio song and then it got sure it got the number one you know so like the, the, the people always talk about John Peel in terms of punk and indie music but it's wider than that even. it really is yeah yeah for sure yeah and a huge impact on everybody now I don't know how the BBC thing works were you available to that in Ireland oh yeah yeah we listened sure. yeah oh, okay well Northern Ireland where we live part of the UK so uh, and even in the Republic as well a lot of people would have listened to John Peel. Uh, so yeah, we it was part of our, you know, the BBC TV, important to us. You know, there are so many TV programs we always watch, Top of the Pops. Oh yeah. And so on, yeah. So, so what was it like though when he, because from what I understand, you just sent him a tape. The Undertone sent him a tape I, I, and he was yeah. just like, I'm going to play this and it actually started. And record. Strangely, it started because John used to play 
uh, Stiff Little Fingers. They made a record about February 78. Uh, Suspect Device came out round about then and he played it and he would, I think he played some other punk records from Belfast, which is like completely different from where we were. We were 75 miles away. And Billy, our drummer, used to ring John Peel's phone. He got the number from somewhere. He used to ring the, the, his office and, uh, and he answered the phone more than one time. And he would, ask, he would say to John, we have a band called The Undertones, you know, you should mention us. And he would, whenever he was playing some record, he would say, oh, by the way, I got a phone call from Billy from the, a band called The Undertones. And, and so we, we, Billy would just do that and we didn't have a record out. So then whenever Teenage Kicks came out, September 78, we, uh, obviously we sent it to him and he loved it. And it must have been weird for him because he had heard of this band. He'd never heard us play, but he'd heard of us because Billy was always, always ringing him. And in fact, we used to record the shows where he would mention Billy. We used to record it on cassette. And when we were playing in the, a place called the Casbah in Derry, we used to play that before the show. John Peel reading out our name. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> that whole thing is like, that gives me chills. Yeah. Imagine if Teenage Kicks had been no good. Right. He, <laughs> you know, he would have been let down. He probably really wanted to. He, like well, yeah. And maybe, maybe it isn't that good. It's just because John Peel says it's great. But that, that's that's well, the, we, that's that's our story. He talked us all into it. That's well, for yeah. Sure. He's that power of persuasion. But so then, what was it like for you though when it when he did like it and when things really started rolling? It was just it was the cliche. It was a dream come true, you know. Uh, it was like something out of a, a film. It was like something out of that thing you do, you know, the Tom Hanks film, which is brilliant. We we heard it in the radio and we heard him talking about it, and this was absolutely fantastic. And then we got a phone call from Sire Records in London, the New York label, but they had an office in London, and they wanted to come over and see us, so they sent someone over to see us playing in Derry. And not none of the other record companies did, you know, even after John Peely. I don't think so. Some of them may have phoned, but we didn't have a manager. We didn't, you know, we weren't going to go to London. So Sire sent someone over to Derry and we half signed the contract. And then Fergal and I went over to, to meet Seymour Stein and we tried to negotiate a better contract. We couldn't really, but we signed the contract. So Sire released Teenage Kicks and it got to number 38 on the UK charts, which is absolutely unheard of for a band in Derry, still in Derry, it's not like a band who went away to make it, a band in Derry, to have a record, even in the top 40 of the UK charts was amazing. And once we got in to the top 40, we got a phone call from, well, the record company got a phone call from Top of the Pops, which was a major TV show. It was really our window into the world of music. And they wanted us to come over to, to play in it. So brilliant. We immediately went over and was fantastic. And so how old were you when you played Top of the Pops? Uh, uh, 19. I would have been 19. John would have been 20. John 20. 21. John 21. So we're like, between Damien was uh, 17, I was 19. Billy and Fergal 20. John 21. You know, it's a good time. <laughs> it's a great time. Yeah. So... Was your plan to put out a lot of singles? Because that's what I really remember. Yeah, in yeah. Terms of growing up in that time, like, oh, it's another one. Because for me, they were like greeting cards, like just wonderful little collectible, beautiful bursts yeah. of joy. Well, that's what we we always. 
uh, singles were very important to us, you know. We used to, I think someone very early on in the band says, we'll never release an LP, we'll only do singles. I think it may have been me, which is a <laughs> stupid thing to say. You can no, take that back. We can take it back. Singles were great. Um, we, didn't do the, we didn't do as many one-off singles as maybe we should have. You know, there was a couple of singles that were, were not on LPs. But uh, no, there, was, there is something special about it. We used to have big arguments about what was going to be the single and so on. But we, um, I think, I think we, we had a good, we had a good track record with it. You know, they didn't always. Towards the end, they didn't make the charts anymore. But you know, happy enough with what, uh, with what we made. Well, but I think the chart thing is related to the fact that you were leaders and pioneers in a way, and then a whole bunch of you know new wave and pop punk mm. really opened up, and that's what the charts were full of. But you were one of the very first bands. But no, we were actually in the second wave, maybe you know, because like our first record came out '78, by which stage, you know, Blondie were well, yeah, Blondie were huge, right. and yeah. uh, and so on, you know. But we, I think we we had a fair run at it, you know, we had a couple of top ten hits number nine number ten uh, and the the chart position was important to us you know we like we, it's not like we were looking for number ones or anything but whenever a record got to a, a healthy position we were so pleased you know yeah. I remember whenever top of the pops or t we my perfect cousin got to number nine it was it happened at a time whenever top of the pops wasn't on TV because it was a technician strike a BBC strike oh, wow. and we always thought that's what that's what helped us you know and Wednesday week that summer as well that that was quite that was number 11 you know so charts chart positions were always great like it's not like we 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 worked the records or we tried to make the records sound like they would get in the charts or anything it's just it was an added bonus yeah yeah um did you have artwork in mind for each one of your singles or was that sort of put no, together by sire no no or? sire had no say in it at all we just mm -hmm. presented it to sire and they they seemed happy you know uh that's what was good about sire records that they were very much, you know, they, they would do kind of what, well, in my uh, experience, they did kind of what the band wanted wanted to happen, you know. I'm sure they did that with Talking Heads. I can't imagine Seaworth's Stein telling David Byrne, I don't know if you should do that Al Green song, you know. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, it's the, we, we were very lucky with Sire. Yeah. Also, you see, we wanted to sign with Sire because they asked us, but also it was the New York punk label for us. It was, you know, the Ramones and Talking Heads. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So yeah. still I still love the fact that we were on the same label. Did Sire ever put together a tour like of other like did you ever tour with the Ramones? Uh, we, no, anything? we we did tour with the Rosillos. That was oh. the first tour we ever did. They were in Sire as well. Mm -hmm. So we were on that tour but the Rosillos broke up after about six or seven shows. Which was actually good timing for us because we were getting fed up with touring. We didn't realise this is what it was like. And so, uh, so yeah, now oh, okay. well, we, we we went home. Yeah, we we've been back a few weeks later to do some shows uh, because the Rosellos were stopping. You know, they were doing some farewell shows, but they were they they collapsed, and we we it was a good experience for us. Mm -hmm. You know, then the next year, 1979, we did proper tours, 30 day tours, which were good, but we did we did have a limit on it. You know, we did think. I can't do longer than 30 days, which was interesting whenever it came to America because the received wisdom at the time, and it's received because it's true, is that 
if you're going to be successful in America, you have to play lots and lots and lots of places. And we didn't want to do that. And it's a big place. It's a huge place, yeah. of course, you know what I mean? And it's important that you do play, you know, the places in the Midwest and the places in the South. The only tour we did with in America was, uh, well, not the only time, the first one we did was supporting The Clash. And even then, we didn't do the whole the whole tour. We only did about three weeks' worth. But they were, they were touring for months in America. Then we went back in 1980, and we, I remember we did a month of shows. Started in July the 15th, June the 15th, 1980, and ended July the 15th. I remember that. And it was, uh, it was good. We enjoyed it, you know. But you see, 1980, America wasn't really a punk rock kind of place, you know. Oh, I know. Nobody, they, we got some, some um, you know, we got some audiences in New York and on the West Coast. Uh, Allentown, we were popular in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Working class town. Maybe it was, maybe we just, you know, there, we, we struck a chord there. So that was good. Um, and but whenever it was time to come home, I was glad. You know, I think most of us were kind of glad to go home, you know. Yeah. Like, touring is, is okay. If you're young, it's, it's all right, but you have to be of a certain frame of mind. You know, you have to enjoy, I think you have to buy into that whole on-the-road concept, you know, which I don't really get at all. And you can't really have any needs at home that, need, like, you can't really be thinking about well, what, yeah. what oh, well, oh, oh, we had at that time as a girlfriend, you know, we had, we had girlfriends, but it was just... I think there's a certain artificiality about being on a tour and you know and sometimes it all becomes about what the band wants which is really unhealthy when you think about it you know it's like yeah we you know we want this backstage or we want that and we don't want to do this we it's like I find it very I, don't know, I just find it off-putting well so is the idea of touring sort of counter to what you are as a band I think it's no I, well maybe it is but it's all it's just counter to to some of us in terms of not wanting to do it you know it's like it's, I mean I get that it's a I, I, but it's not part of the ethos of the band or anything right. at that time it, it not so much the ethos but it was just what people wanted now not everyone uh, wanted to not tour if you know what I mean like Damien Damien liked touring you know and I think Fergal liked it as well but uh, myself and Billy and John we kind of we get fed up with it you know right yeah yeah, yeah. so at the height of your popularity so I've always been here yeah. what were your largest audiences in Ireland like in the UK I don't know I think probably about 2000 you know it we were okay, and we would probably we were successful than than most bands. Bearing in mind that most most bands never ever make a record, you know. Yeah, yeah. So pe people look back and think that we were really successful. We weren't, you know. We weren't really successful. We had a, we had a, we had a, a moment in the sun, but that was ahead of it, you know, because we never really worked on the career side of it. You know, right, we didn't we didn't right. have plans. We didn't think. Well, if we spend six months touring the States and then we do three months doing Europe, you know, we should be at this level in our career by right. this time next year. We never, we never bought into that at all. Well, so success and accomplishment are sort of two, I see them as two different things. Like success is like the things, like we get a number one record or a number six record or a number nine yeah. record, but accomplishment is how 
you feel inside. Ooh. Well, yeah, that was a completely different thing yeah. uh, about the records. Uh, and the, at the time, we always, very naturally, we always wanted to do something slightly different from what, what we'd done before. Mainly generated by, by John. You know, John was very, John being the main songwriter, he was always uh, pushing that, Damien as well, you know, and probably Billy too. Uh, but, but when I look back at it then, I can see that I, I, in terms of the, the quality of the records, I think the first two were great. The third was interesting, but a bit weak. And the fourth one was, in my opinion, and this is purely my opinion, uh, just a bit misplaced. You know, we just we were trying things which were great to do it, great to try, but they didn't really I don't think they 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 wear well. Now I haven't said that every at almost every show, maybe every second show, someone will say to me, I loved the Sun of Pride and I have to sort of take it, you know, I, I don't argue with them. Although sometimes I do nearly. Ah, uh, but you know, uh, so in terms of our accomplishment, we made great records, you know. Yeah. Some varying in quality towards the end, but I do, I do think we make great records. I can attest to the fact, and that to me is a, it's a fact that you made some of the greatest records ever. <laughs> right. The most joyful, wonderful classics. I mean, it's a whole generation of people. And at last night's show, there were people in the audience that were, you know, old enough to be my kids. Like really, really like young people, yeah. you know, which is nice to see because sometimes you never know. Yeah. Oh, I know it is nice. Very kind of you to say that. Um, I would, I'd have to take your word for it. Put it like that there. <laughs> okay. How does it strike you now with like playing and I know you have a, you know, you've got job life, mm. etc. So. Where is the undertones in your priority list? It's kind of a weird way to ask it, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, we don't have one. Um, the way it works, our manager, Barry, he gets offers and he filters the offers and he sends the offers to us through email and we say yes or no. Sometimes we have to, you know, it's not completely ad hoc. You know, you, you do, he, he has to plan things so that it works. Uh, so that you know you don't lose money. You know we can't. It's not like we can go to New York and do one show and then go home. Um, but it really is. It's, it's on that kind of basis. What are we doing next year? Uh, how much time do you have to do next year? How much time do you? So some people, like myself and Billy especially, and Paul, we would be limited in our time, which is actually good as well because you don't really get a, uh, an opportunity to get fed up with it. You know, and there's there's. It's and like most bands of our era. I think what it is is just it's something to do, you know. It it is. It's good to do it um, every so often, and you do make people happy, which is always a nice thing to do as well. You see interesting places, New York. Um, so it's it's strange. It, it is. It does almost happen. It's. There's nothing planned apart from the logistics of doing the thing. So it's occasionally, you know, we, we normally operate about a year in advance. It was a major discussion a couple of years ago whenever we got offers to do shows in Australia. And we had never ever been in Australia, even the first time round with the band, we'd never gone to Australia. And we had been getting these offers quite a lot. 
And I always think it was one thing that uh, our, our manager said. He says, you know, this may be the last opportunity. Whether that meant that there will be no more offers or remember that we will at some stage stop doing it. And I think that kind of focused everyone's mind and went, well, well, when you put it like that, let's go to Australia. And we did, and it was really enjoyable, you know. So that's the kind of thing that, you know, this, this trip to America was prompted by an offer from the punk rock bowling people in, in Las Vegas. They had asked before, and we had always says no. No, not that we didn't like it or anything. We just kind of thought, well, no, because that's it's a lot of organization. Yeah. So last year, they asked again, and Barry says, "What do you think?" And we all went, oh, "Yeah, okay, yeah, let's do it." And then he says, "Well, to make it worthwhile, I'll get all the shows, and this is where we're now in the grammar seat, which is great. Yeah. This is a great venue, and uh, I, I, you know, we wouldn't have got it otherwise." Do you have a favorite um... flavor of milkshake? No. What's your favorite flavor of milkshake? Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. Is right. there anything that you, an experience that you've had in your life that you really love and it only happened because you were in the band? Oh, yeah. Lots of things. Um, making a great record. You know, making the first LP. Obviously, that would have only happened. Being on top of the pops. Um, other things, other non-musical things, not really. No. I'm racking my brain. No, there's nothing. I see that. Yeah. He has a furrowed brow. Yeah. He is racking I, his um, brain. I've had it. I've done things uh, since. Well, speed in the undertones, did that get me a job at the radio? Maybe it did, I don't know. No, it didn't. It didn't. Um, because I, <laughs> I did an interview for the job. Like, you know, as in a job interview. And I got it, so. So I just want to thank you from the world of music. You're very welcome. For really your contribution. And, like, I know that you're here as, like, another human being. Yeah. But... What you guys have done is otherworldly and so impactful. That's very good. Isn't it? Like you guys are just so great. Is there a, do I get a statuette or a medal or? A, I'll or get a, you a statuette. Thank you very much. I'll go yeah, find you. That's very good. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And thanks so much to Mickey Bradley for making the time to talk to to me, so I could play for you. Just a little bit. What a charming bunch of folks. The Undertones have a presence on Facebook, and they also have theundertones.com. If you see them live, you will never forget it. They are one of the most energetic bands I've ever seen in my life. So thanks, folks. And that concludes another podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. More on the way. I am Diane Kamikaze. Check my Twitter and my Instagram handle is one word diane kamikaze kamikaze ends with an e on facebook you can find me as diane kamikaze farris rocker for life and making a difference the full link to my uh, index of shows and podcasts is can be found on wfmu.org slash playlists slash dk 
Those are That's a capital D and a capital K. I'm going to be working on Encore presentations, and I've got years of interviews and podcasts. So if there's something that you'd like to see reposted that you missed, please get in touch. Send me email, diane at wfmu.org. And be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you like it, please rate it and review it. Wow. WFMU. Peer pressure. Thank you. See you next time.